Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Gay Men Going Deeper. This is a podcast series by the Gay Men's Brotherhood where we talk about mental health, personal development, and sexuality. Today, you've got me as your host. I'm Michael, and on this episode, I wanted to have a very candid discussion about loneliness and belonging. It has been said that loneliness is the new gay epidemic. And today what I wanna do is normalize that feeling of loneliness and offer some tips for anyone who does struggle with it. So here are some stats that I have found on this topic. While the gay community has made immense progress in both legal and social acceptance of being gay, uh, in fact, there is a Gallup poll that says that support for same-sex couples went from 27% in 1996 to 70% in 2021. So yes, despite having a lot, of, a lot more social acceptance for being gay, there are numerous studies that show that rates of anxiety, depression, addiction, and suicide still disproportionately affect gay men. So what this tells me is that it's still very dangerously alienating to go through life as a gay man. So to help me unpack this topic, I have a very special guest with us today. His name is Phil McAuliffe, and he's also known as the loneliness guy. He's joining us today from Canberra, Australia. And for those of you who don't know Phil, his mission is to destigmatize loneliness and promote authentic connection for gay men globally. Thank you so much for joining us today, Phil. Michael, it's always a pleasure. So great to see you. It is so great to see you again. And for the viewers and listeners uh, who don't know this, Phil actually has his own podcast and I have I have been on his podcast. So now the tables have turned. Uh, so this is a lot of fun for us. <laughs> I can relax. Uh, and you have to do the editing. You have to like, you know, make sure things are recording and I just get to talk. I show up and talk. I think, you know, Phil, you chose a very interesting line of work to get into choosing uh, loneliness and branding yourself, in fact, uh, as the loneliness guy. So can you quickly tell us how did you get into this work? Yeah, look, I think I think the key is right there in those words that you use, Michael, uh, that I chose uh, this line of work. I think there was choosing, but it chose me, it feels like. Um, and... Basically, I got into this line of work um, mainly because I recognise that I'm a human uh, and humans are subject to the human condition and humans, be we gay, straight, wherever we sit on, um, on any kind of spectrum, we are all subject to the human condition and we are all subject to emotions. And one of those emotions is loneliness. And it's one of those bad emotions that we, we kind of want to dismiss or we want to fix really quickly because it feels really horrid. Um, and I realized as I was getting to my 40th birthday, um, getting like, so about sort of 2016, I realized I, I my midlife crisis was um, about loneliness and realizing that I had a life that I had always wanted um, and had, fantastic job, was living overseas, had been living overseas um, in various countries over the past 20 years, um, 
and and having a great time, seeing amazing places, experiencing amazing things, doing this fantastic job. But I had this kind of hollowness inside, this kind of void. And, and after a little while, it felt like I was going through the motions of life, that life was happening to me rather than me happening to life. Um, and I, I wouldn't say that I felt directionless or, or rudderless, but I just felt so utterly disconnected from the world around me. And I recognised that, and I don't really know how I did it, but I recognised that as loneliness because I realised that there was like something in me, like that that void that I was, well, there was nothing in me, I guess. Um, there was that void. Um, and I realised apart from my then wife, there was no one in my life with whom I felt comfortable picking up the phone and saying, it's been like five, six, seven, eight, nine years since I've seen you in person. Um, you know, how's the wife? How's the husband? How are the kids? How's work? All that kind of small talk kind of stuff that, you know. And then you go, well, actually, the reason I'm calling is, well, I'm kind of feeling like nothing. Like I, I didn't have anyone in my life who um, I felt could answer that call um, or that I could make that call to. And that realisation was horrible. <laughs> it was, I, I felt like a failed human being. I looked around me and I was surrounded by chronic overachievers who were doing amazing things in their lives and in their jobs. And I felt like an absolute fraud, such a fraud. And I felt that, you know, everyone around me had all their shit together. Their lives were like amazing. And I was like some kind of terrible actor um, in, in like the, 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 the sitcom of life. Um, and I realized that like, anyway, like this, this whole thing, um, this whole feeling wasn't sort of going to go away. Um, so with the help of my then wife, she's like, you know, before we met, like, or when we met, you really liked swimming. So why don't you, like, we'll, we'll look. We were living in South Korea at the time. Um, and so there's, like, a whole language and cultural barrier there as well to then just sort of putting myself out there. So put myself, um, like, I, I found a swimming group um, with a whole lot of uh, American swimmers, uh, American soldiers who were, who were swimmers. Sounds kind of good now <laughs> to say swimming American soldiers. Um, but um, like swimming, like I love swimming, it's it's awesome, but you can't really talk when you swim. Um, and I just sort of realized like, you know, it wasn't sort of scratching that social itch. Um, and so a few months went past. And, you know, I I, I called my employers um, sort of like counselling service and I don't know it was like a 10 minute call um and I said oh yeah kind of a bit lonely kind of sort of a bit lonely 
And to those of you who don't have the honour and the privilege of being Australian, um, uh, who are watching and listening, when an Australian sort of says, kind of, sort of, like, take all of that out and actually mean very, that's, that's what we mean. We always underplay it. We always, like, downplay it. So if we're, we're feeling a little bit stressed, it's like we're feeling really stressed. So I did that. I did that to the, to the counsellor on the other end of the phone. I said, you know, I'm kind of sort of maybe, maybe kind of just possibly a bit lonely. And I can't forget this. I can't forget this. She said, oh, oh, you poor thing. Oh, you know, I don't know where she was. She was somewhere in Australia. Um, and I'm like, I remember feeling like I don't, I don't want your pity. I don't want your pity. I want you to fix it. <laughs> like I'm calling you, you professional, fix it. And she's like, we, we talked for a few minutes. I don't really remember like the, the intervening conversation, but it wasn't long. And she's like, oh, well, you just got to put yourself out there, don't you? And I remember like I was sitting in my office in Seoul in the um, sort of sort of old part of uh, like, you know, central Seoul. And my office overlooked, it was like 20 floors up, I had this fantastic view. And I remember it, like looking down at, at the view and just sort of going, well, you know, out there is Korea. Like, how's your career? Um, and she's like, oh, well, you know, you'll work something out. And essentially we hung up, like it, it, it finished. And those words, you've just got to put yourself out there, um, were ringing in my mind and everywhere that I read uh, about loneliness said, you've just got to put yourself out there. And so for me, the, um, I focused on the, um, the, 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 that part of the phrase on the out there mm. um, and, and do something that you like. Um, and so, you know, I thought, right, okay, I've got to put myself more out there. Um, I got, um, I, I started a coaching program uh, with a really great guy uh, with whom I also do some coaching work now. And I quickly realized, very quickly realized during this program, I quickly realized that I was, wasn't putting myself out there. I was putting a version of me that I thought that everybody else in the world expected me to be. And that was the uncomfortable, inconvenient truth of my life. I had to that time felt like I had put myself, my real authentic self, like hidden away out of fear of judgment um, out of fear of not being enough. Um, and the world had created its relationship with Phil McAuliffe, with Phil McAuliffe wearing a mask. And the prospect of gently, lovingly, with support, taking that mask off or those masks off was terrifying oh my god it was so terrifying because i'm like what happens what happens if all these people in the world who know me and love me like have fallen in love with the mask or formed that relationship with the mask are no longer there 
Like they don't realize that, you know, I'm, I'm full of self-doubt. I'm, you know, I'm, I'm human. Of course they could see all of that. <laughs> they could see all of that and they, they knew and loved me. But I was like, that, that, like the, 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 the masks that I'd so carefully constructed and, and fitted over years had become my security blanket and actually my own prison. So taking those masks off, I then started the uncomfortable process of putting the real authentic me out into the world. Very well said. And thank you so much for sharing that with us. Uh, I think it's very important. I know that your work uh, is to destigmatize loneliness and that is, as you know, cornerstone of the work that I do as well. So I think we need to acknowledge that, uh, you know, that probably sounds a lot, that sounds quite familiar to a lot of people who are listening and watching right now. And I think you kind of nailed on the head why as gay men, we, you know, studies have shown that we do feel disproportionately more lonely than the rest of the population. Again, not to say that other people don't feel lonely, but when we learn at a very young age how to wear a mask and how to hide behind that mask for our own safety in some cases, for our own security, self-preservation, we become you know, addicted to that mask. And in some cases, we don't even know where the mask ends and we begin, right? And I think right. that's why it becomes so hard as gay men to really realize, well, wait a minute, what is the mask? And, and yes, there's so much fear in, you know, very, like how you said, very lovingly, gently, kindly, there's still a lot of fear there, learning how to take that off, you know, one layer at a time. It's not like the mask just comes off one day, right? Like it, it comes off in, in layers. Um, so what then happened after you started to do this work? Like tell us the transformation. Well, I guess the transformation is ongoing. I think it's, you know, one could say it's the the, 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 the living of life that, that, that continues. But I realized through the course of well, doing this, this, this program, and almost tapping into what's turned out to be like a, an enormous reserve within me of, of curiosity. That both curiosity in terms of myself and other people that I realized that I was not alone. The guys in the, in the program that I was doing this with they were lonely um, and, and there were other Australian guys. And then I looked around me um, the, and, and started having conversations with, with people. And I'm a huge fan of connecting over coffee. Uh, and indeed that's you know, the name of my, my podcast for the loneliness guy. And I started having coffees and this is basically where it came from. And, and um, I wanted to very quickly go beyond those kind of surface level conversations about, you know, about work, about sport, about um, like sex, about politics, you know, I'm in Canberra, like, and 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 live in in capitals. When I live overseas, it's uh, in capital cities. So politics is kind of everything. Um, 
Yeah, and and but it's those kind of conversations that that can pass, particularly for for men, mm-hmm. as acceptable, safe. That's how we bond. So we can actually know so many people in our lives, and indeed call them friends, but don't actually know what's going on with them. Like we know how they vote, we know how they, you know, how they like to have sex. We know how they, um, you know, potentially sporting teams. We know what they do for work, how their work's going and all that kind of stuff, but we don't actually know them. We don't actually know what's going on within them. And so what we find is that we we kind of have these, these surface level connections that kind of amount up to not much because we don't actually see other people. We don't let other people see us either and critically we don't let ourselves be seen so what this 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 work started within me was a deep commitment to myself and indeed one of the 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 things that the, one of the exercises that the program does is like identify your um your values and one of my values became courageous and this is not just a like courage sounds amazing it sounds inspiring and all that kind of stuff but oh my god party can i swear yes of course (laughs) okay good good okay like i just need to be sure like but fuck me honestly like courage requires me to not just go yes i've got courage as a value look at me um no courage actually requires me to have the hard conversations have the tough conversations generally within myself and do the thing that i know is good for me but is really hard and so i like with courage started to put myself out there started to say like actually I'm feel I like I feeling I've been feeling lonely and lacking connection and people were like what you no no I'm like yep 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 and almost almost universally I was met with me too mm. me too and loneliness this is this is something that I want to want to talk about about loneliness there's, there's different types of loneliness, right? There's loneliness like after, you know, a breakup or a death. Um, and that loneliness is accepted. That loneliness is expected. But then there's another kind of loneliness and that's the, the, the loneliness of the disconnection with yourself. Yes, that's so important. And I had that. I have that. I am prone to that. And I'm going to say that as listeners, as gay men, that you, listener, viewer, are also at risk of that disconnection with yourself on top of potentially a breakup, a, a, a death, you know, loss of a job. Like, you know, there's, there's the, the loneliness through grief. Mm-hmm. And then there's the slow burn uh, grief of loneliness within from disconnection within ourselves. And so that's a lot of what my, my own journey has been 
Oh, I hate using that word. I know, I know. That's your least favorite word. I, I cringe now when I say it because I know you're an oh. <laughs> so, like that, That's part of my story. There we go. And I think it's a, it's a crucial point. And it's almost as if loneliness when we're grieving or after a breakup is acceptable or even makes, makes logical sense. But it's that other kind, that, that disconnection within that is a little bit harder to diagnose, if you want to use that yeah. word. A little bit harder to spot. So what I want to do is um, read some comments that I have picked out from the Gay Men's Brotherhood Facebook group. Um, for those of you who are not in the Facebook group, please go join the Facebook group. It's free. Um, and what we do in there is we talk a lot about this stuff, not just loneliness, but just personal development, mental health in, in general. And I wanted to read some of the direct quotes. I won't say names, obviously. Uh, and here's what that sounds like in, in people's actual words. I fear being alone for the rest of my life. I see everyone in relationships and I wonder what's wrong with me. I don't know who I am or how to fix myself. The emptiness within me is unbearable. Nobody notices me. I'm being rejected by the people I love the most. I hate using apps. I feel even worse when I try to connect on apps. There's no place for people like me in the gay community. I can't keep up and I don't even want to anymore. So this is just a sampling, a smattering of comments that I read today. Just today, uh, they were probably in there over the last few weeks or so. Um, but this is what it sounds like. And, and so, you know, I love that, that the work here is to destigmatize this because I think as I read this, you listener viewer probably can relate to at least one, probably more of, of these statements. So, Phil, how do you think we would know when the disconnection is within? Because in my experience, I, similar to you, I, I sort of could spot that I felt lonely and I knew, okay, this is a lonely feeling. I knew that I, I don't feel like I belong. I don't fit in all, all those things. But, you know, I didn't realize until much later that it all started with me. Like I had to be the one to kind of look in the mirror and say, okay, how am I disconnected from myself? And I mean, that's one great question. You guys know that I love journal, journal prompts here. So um, write that one down. How, how am I disconnecting from myself? And, and let your mind go there and look for some answers there. What would you say are some other uh, inklings that you're disconnected from self? But you reading those comments, Michael, like I, I was like tearing up. And like, I just wanted to give every single one of those commenters a hug yeah. and say, you are not alone. You are so not alone. And part of, part of loneliness Loneliness kind of is like shame. Indeed, there is so much shame in loneliness that we can think that we somehow deserve the thoughts and feelings that come from loneliness because we are not enough. We, we have absorbed the stories that we um, have, have been exposed to through life that... You know, to be gay is not to be a man. 
To be gay is to be subhuman. To be gay means that you have to have your relationships recognised by other people. So you have to hustle. You have to hustle, 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 hustle. You have to hustle to be accepted by society. You have to hustle to be accepted by another man. And the thing that we hustle most to do but have the least awareness of our hustle is the hustle to prove to ourselves that we are worthy of ourselves. And so we have, and this is part of my three pillars of connection. Because, like, loneliness, shit, loneliness sucks. Loneliness is a topic. It's like, like, I promise you, like, you know, wherever you are in the world, listener, viewer, but, you know, if you can have COVID-safe parties and, and you know, you sort of, like, people ask, you know, what, what do I do? And I'm like, actually, I write blogs and do podcasts on loneliness. And people go, oh, it's always, <laughs> it's, it's always the high pitch, like, which, which indicates discomfort. It's like, oh you that's so great like as they like skull their drink and they go oh look i'm empty um and and off they go it's the biggest conversation killer which speaks to the stigma Mm -hmm. because we all experience it because we are all human and denying ourselves our loneliness is like denying ourselves our joy is like denying ourselves our happiness is denying ourselves our um yeah, all the, all the emotions. Loneliness is not a place that we have to dwell. Recognising that I did not have to live in that. It, ha- it was happening for me, not because I deserved it. It was telling me that I needed connection. And this is the rub, Michael, and this is really important. And you know this because we've talked about this a lot. Loneliness is, loneliness is meant to be a temporary state, but in saying that, it's really important that we don't rush through it. We don't go like, oh, I'm lonely, reaching for my phone, and here I go, look at me connecting. It's like, okay, what, what am I actually, what's my loneliness telling me right now? Yeah. Because then we can then like get the connection that we need. And generally, and this is my answer to, um, sorry, I just want to finish the, there's so much going on in my mind. <laughs> um, but because loneliness, the stigma of loneliness drips in shame. And so we are loath to admit aloud that we are feeling lonely because we are seen as a failed human. Because loneliness is within us because it it means that the the lonely person away from the pack is the first to be picked off by a saber-toothed tiger. And it's always a saber-toothed tiger. There were no other dangerous animals prehistoric times. Like it was always a saber-toothed tiger, right? And so loneliness is just our, like we've got to get back to group, right? But we could have been, you know, ostracized from the group because, you know, we didn't fit in or whatever like that. And that's such a primal response. Like the awfulness of loneliness goes very like to the basis level as being a failed human. And that's why it feels so shit. 
So we do anything. We do anything when we feel that kind of lack of worth, lack of belonging. Um, we do anything to, to, to hustle for that acceptance. And so we don't actually say that we're feeling lonely. It's just like, actually, I, I, you know, I don't want to be alone right now is, is a socially acceptable way of saying that. But the way out of loneliness is to admit that we're lonely when we are lonely and that we don't have to hustle. We need to stop the hustle for the acceptance and perhaps start to accept ourselves by destigmatizing that by like going huh i feel really shit about that that's my shame i am not a failed human i'm a human who's currently experiencing loneliness there's a big difference one is victim one is going huh right isn't that interesting with it armed with this information i now have a choice with what I do with this information, and I choose to work through this loneliness, this, this bout of loneliness. And I can choose to treat this bout of loneliness through alcohol. I can choose to treat this bout, bout of loneliness through work. I can choose through sex. I can choose through work, uh, which is socially acceptable. And sex is socially acceptable in, in, in the gay community. But, you know, drugs, whatever it is that you, you can choose, you can choose to numb. And we all do. Because it's a quick fix. It's a quick way to connection. Or we can do the work and go, right, we can get curious. We can actually practice some self-love. We can get good people around us and work through that loneliness. Now, that sounds all lovely, sounds easy. It's not, oh my God, it's not. And anybody here or on the interweb, wherever, like any like self-help guru, whatever, that says your loneliness, like cure loneliness and there's three easy steps, lying, lying, absolutely full of shit. <laughs> because it's not, it's not easy. It's the, it's, it's the bloody, stuff of life right but in answer to to those quotes one thing that comes to mind is it's nobody else's job to save you it's nobody nobody no relationship is going to save you if you are not authentically you if you do not allow yourself if you stop if you stop running from yourself and allow yourself to be seen mm. and this is an inconvenient truth this is this is this is where it comes like you know it's no longer rainbows and unicorn farts this is this is life because like and and when we when we live within gay culture, which prizes like the, the um, ease of connection and, and potentially the superficiality, stops at the superficiality. Now, just here for the body, not the mind, definitely not the soul. 
Like tell that to your therapist, buddy. Um, this, like the, 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 we, we can feel that we don't fit in. We can feel that we don't belong in a community that is meant to, you know, celebrate only that, you know, which is, which is good or attractive. And whenever we do that, whatever community it is, whenever we celebrate only the good, we are denying ourselves, we are, we are shaming we are creating stigma about the bad. Phil, you, you bring up a very interesting point that I wanted to touch on in that, in part of the destigmatizing is that, well, you brought up so many points that I want to go back to, but <laughs> one that's on my mind right now is that, you know, I talk to, I talk to gay men for a living. I talk to gay men about lots of different things, uh, their yeah. well-being emotionally, mentally, spiritually. Um, and what I hear when it comes to loneliness, first of all, everyone, that I have talked to on one level or another has said that they go through this feeling of loneliness and they feel like they are alone in their loneliness. There's a lot of that shame, as you said, in there. They don't want to talk about it. They don't want to acknowledge it. They want to numb it, right? So that's that's all true. But every time I talk with someone about it, and it's always one-on-one, their rationale will be, oh, well, it's, you know, because I live in New York City and you know what, you know what it's like living in a big city. Everyone's here, but no one actually connects with you. And then someone else will be in rural you know, Louisiana saying, well, you know, I, I'm feeling lonely, but that's just because there's no one around here. I have no one to connect with. And then I'll talk to somebody who's in a relationship and they'll say, well, you know, I'm in this relationship for X amount of years, but I'm very disconnected from my partner. In fact, I'm, I'm really lonely because all my other friends are married with their own partners. And then I'll talk to a guy who's single and he'll say, well, I'm lonely because I've been single for 10 years and there's no one out there who's for me. And then I'll talk to someone who's, you know, freshly out of the closet in their 20s. Then I'll talk to somebody who's in their 60s. It is across the board, my friends. And that's something that I really want to put out there. I have talked, you know, on your podcast, Phil, about my, my uh, loneliness story. And, and I think people would be surprised to hear that based on, you know, what they might see on uh, social media or what I talk about on here or the fact that I live in Canada in this big city. But yes, there are times where I'm in the middle of a big club and I feel lonely. Uh, there are times where I've been on the flip side, completely in solitude and felt not lonely. So a lot of it has to do with, with that. Um, it's, it's a feeling, it's not something objective, like, you know, like Kelly Clarkson says, I'm not, a, I'm not just cause I'm alone. Doesn't mean I'm lonely. Um, but if we could just understand that it is part of, like you said, at the very beginning, the human condition, we all go through bouts of it. We're not meant to stay there forever. Um, and I think for me, my story at least is, is, you know, what you had said about the mask. I definitely can draw a line in the sand in my life where I had connections that were uh, people who were connected to what I put out there, that mask I put on for them so that I could feel like I fit in. And that's exhausting, first of all, because it's not authentically me. So that became really hard to sustain over my life and eventually you know, in my story, it kind of all fell apart, which is a good thing. I think the falling apart is what made me put things back together in a way that was more aligned with who I really am. And as we say, you know, in the brotherhood, when you actually step into that authenticity and shine your unique little brand of light, other people who are drawn to that light will find you. Whether it's one person or 10 or a thousand, they will find you. But it has to be 
the conversation about belonging has to be tied into authenticity. Okay. Yes, 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 yes. And your point about, you know, the person in, uh, in New York or Louisiana, single, in a relationship, young, old, whatever, being, being lonely, the conversation can then sadly go into whose loneliness is more deserved, whose, is, whose loneliness is right. I've got no time for that conversation. Yeah, no. Like I've got no time for competitive loneliness. Loneliness is loneliness is loneliness is loneliness is loneliness. Full stop. That's it. And when we seek to compete, when we seek to diminish someone else's lived experience with loneliness and go, well, that's nothing. Or as Brene Brown says, you know, uh, start a response, well, at least you're in a relationship or at least you're not in a relationship. At least you're young, at least you're old. And you've got the financial means to change, whatever. That's just, that's a conversation that does not serve any of us, least of all our own selves. Because we can always find, and this is a huge impediment to actually the recognition of our own lived situation and then taking steps to address it, we can always find someone else in our lives or makes up someone else in our world who we don't know personally, who has it worse off than us. So that, that stops us from actually the acceptance from hitting that particular bottom, that rock bottom. <laughs> so <laughs> um, <laughs> I'm just going to giggle like a 14 year old with that one. <laughs> but, but at least I didn't say tap that bottom, but um, it is, <laughs> it is, it is, um, you know, that, that, that stops us. And Michael, your point about hitting, hitting bottom is like our own personal like rock bottoms is really important because as JK Rowling said that, you know, it's from when we hit rock bottom that we hit like bedrock and we can create something built on something real, something immovable, which is, you know, euphemistically our authenticity. Now for me, for me, I struggle still, even just a few weeks ago, there was an example of this in the office. I struggle to feel that I belong. And I really want to get to this point, knowing, knowing that, you know, there's, I have a tendency of having, you know, getting on for a, a, a good long, long yak. There's just so much to say here though. That's why. Yeah, it is. And it was like, oh, there's so much to say. I'm like exploding. I really want to say this. I want to share this, but I struggle to feel that I belong. Now, my 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 boys, um, you know. So I'm a dad. Um, I'm in a committed uh, relationship with an awesome guy now. Um, after coming out, uh, to getting to two years ago now, um, and uh, my ex wife and I have two boys they're 14 they're awesome but you know I think we can all go back mentally and it's not a huge leap to remember the awkwardness of being 14 
because for me, that awkwardness like continues. <laughs> the awkwardness of 14 is pretty similar to the awkwardness of 44. <laughs> right? <laughs> awkwardness is awkwardness is awkwardness. And, and for me, that awkwardness is an impediment to feeling that I belong. Mm-hmm. Now, I'm me. I can say that proudly. But sometimes it's like it, it's very easy to be me. I love being me, but oftentimes it's really hard to be me. It's uncomfortable to be me. And I have, over time, struggled to feel that I belong with other people. And so I spoke before about the hustle to belong. And I know Brene Brown talks about this. This is where I get it from. And she's just been an absolute, like, without any shadow of a doubt, Brene Brown's work has changed my life. Mm-hmm. I, I was reading uh, Braving the Wilderness, getting to, through. I forget what year it is now. So it's 2021. <laughs> so this is 20, 2017. And so I've been doing this work, uh, like within myself for a little over a year. And Brene Brown's book, Braving the Wilderness, came out. And I read it. And I was kind of excited to read it, went to bed early, jumped, like got into bed, snuggled down, started reading the first chapter. And the first chapter talks about, um, well, uh, Dr. Brown, she shares about how, you know, she moved from place to place to place as a child and struggled to fit in, always struggled to fit in. Her name um, sort of pointed to her being black and so she grew up in New Orleans uh, and like was invited there's a freshly desegregated uh, school system uh, and she didn't get invited to the white kids parties she was five she got invited to the black kids parties based on her name when she walked up at the black kids parties she didn't belong and she's, you know, she writes always like, that's a lot to, for a five-year-old to, to take in. But I didn't have that. I didn't have, I'm not comparing, but like I, you know, my, my primary school, there were 11 other kids, 10, 10 other kids in my class. There were 90 kids in the school. Um, and like, you know, got invited to other kids' birthday parties. Then when I got to high school, I went to boarding school for six years, all the way through high school. And I, I was smart. I wasn't sporty. Certainly wasn't, like, attractive. Didn't, like, I was all kind of arms and legs and, like, huge, huge, like, overbite, like, buck teeth. I was just study of awkwardness awkwardness and I just I had this like narrative in my mind about how lesser I am than everyone else then by about 14 that magic age of 14 I started to realize that I you know that that boys were turning my heads more than girls and so that was wrong that's wrong being Catholic going to a Catholic boarding school like Catholic boys boarding school um like in in the early 90s in regional Victoria and Australia, whoa, 
like that, no, 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 mask, first mask. But the hustle for me to fit in, the hustle for me to belong, the hustle for me to be accepted has been learned all the time since I was a teenager. And I dare say for many of you listeners and viewers, and you too, Michael, that's been the case as well. It's hard. It's hard to realise that the, the belonging is such, the, 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 the desire to belong is such a powerful behavioural driver for many of us, me included, especially me, that it's hard to step off that. But going back to that first chapter of Braving the Wilderness, this, this chapter changed my life. The most powerful thing in that is when Dr. Brown talks about how she met Maya Angelou. And over, over the years, had had a quote in her mind and how wrong she thought Dr. Maya Angelou was on a powerful quote about belonging. But then she realised that this... That, that Brene Brown being Brene Brown, that me, Phil McAuliffe being Phil McAuliffe, is the very thing that the world needs, yeah. the very thing that I need. All right? But this quote, and I really want to share this quote because it changed my life, and I've written it down, as you know, Michael, because I, I have a... I have a history of, of um, so I'm hold, for those listening, I'm holding a real notebook now. Um, uh, I have a history of mucking up quotes. But this, 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 this quote changed my life. You are only free when you realise you belong no place. You belong every place, no place at all. The price is high the reward is great. That, for the guy who had spent 20 years living in five different countries, had moved from place to place to place to place to place, gone on amazing holidays, in the struggle to belong somewhere, realised in bed that September night, let's call it, September night in 2017 in Seoul that I, I'm getting a little emotional. I belong to me. I don't belong anywhere, but I belong everywhere because I'm me. That quote right there helped me take off another mask. I realised that I needed to come out. Mm. I needed to address my sexuality. And by allowing myself to see myself, allowing myself to accept myself, allowing myself to belong to me was amazing, like such a profound, like, again, I'm like shivering. But let me tell you that those last two sentences of that quote, the price is high, the reward is great. 
me coming out and I say that coming out like sexually about my sexuality about my loneliness yeah. about me being me coming out as me the price is high not everybody in my life has been supportive like in words yes in actions not so much a wonderful relationship, a wonderful marriage has ended because I need to belong to myself. But the reward is great. I am being me. My kids get to see their dad as he, who he really is. Sometimes, you know, when we're talking about parents, that's uncomfortable, <laughs> but here I am. I have a wonderful man in my life who wants me to be me. Wants me to continue to be me just as much as I want to be to learn how to be me and continue learning how to be me. And it's it actually like, I don't know, I'm holding up my tattoo. Oh, um, Is that kind of see there? So this... The, the tattoo for like, this doesn't work on a podcast. It does on the video, but yeah, the, the, the tattoo is actually a eucalyptus tree. So an Australian tree, a gum tree. So, and that reminds me of where I'm from, but it has roots in balance, the light, the dark, the parts of me that I want to show to the world and the other parts of me that I kind of find uncomfortable, but the tree is all about being me wherever I am in the world. And it's on my right forearm so I can see it and remind myself frequently when it's hard that I need to be me. Now, in all of this relating to loneliness, that belonging is critical because I'm always going to experience loneliness. I'm always going to, not because I want to, it's because I'm human. And that loneliness, when I do feel that loneliness, and sometimes I'm slow to recognise it within myself, but it's generally after I've been hustling for acceptance that I can look at my, my, my tattoo and go, I belong to me now. What can I do to, like, what's my choice now to belong to me? That's, that's the difficulty of loneliness. Oftentimes, loneliness is putting ourselves out there making our loneliness someone else's responsibility or a community's responsibility to fix. But tying it back into that advice that I got from Sol, it's about putting myself out there. It's all about putting, like reconnecting to me, who I am, and proudly, unashamedly, 
without apology, putting me out there kindly, honestly, respectfully, and demanding the same in return. Mm-hmm. That sense of belonging is, you know, as we said at the beginning, the cornerstone, but it, it has to be that, it has to be tied into authenticity. And I think what was my experience and, you know, what I've heard from a lot of others, yourself included, is that, you know, we come out of the closet and we think, okay, now I'm part of this gay community. I'm using air quotes because that means a lot of different things to a lot of different people. But for me, I live in a big city in Toronto. So I was like, okay, I look around and I'm like, hey, what are all these other gay guys doing? What are they saying? What are they acting like? What are they wearing? What, what's their behavior? You know, if they're all wearing their own mask, right, to try to yeah. fit in, and then I start mimicking their mask, what we're all doing, as big of a community as we are, is we're all in this community connecting or attempting to connect with each other's masks, attempting to connect with these versions of ourselves that are not real. And yes, I know that it's it, you can't just take off your mask in one shot, but it's these little tiny things you can do one step at a time. Um, you know, acknowledging to even just one friend, you don't need to, to, to find a whole group of friends. You really just need one person you can talk to. And this person, for, for the guy out there who doesn't think he has enough friends or doesn't have many friends, I would encourage you to just find that one person that you do feel close with and try to deepen that connection. Try to show a little bit more of yourself on this podcast. We talk a lot about the uh, 1% rule, right? Just 1% more authentic than you were yesterday. Just share 1% more of yourself than you did before. In the Gay Men's Brotherhood, we have about, at this point, we've got about 3,300 members. And, you know, Phil, you said that the community, you can connect with the community, but it, the, really, the real work, the first step is to connect within. And for me, you know, my, my big uh, obstacle is allowing myself to be seen. It still is, you know, I've talked about, a lot about that as well. I still have a hard time being seen. It's still very scary for me to be visible even doing this podcast. So yes. it's, it starts within though. Like you have to like, acknowledge like, I, hey, wait a minute, I'm worthy of being seen. I'm worthy of being, of belonging to this community. Does that mean everybody has to agree with me? Absolutely not. Does that mean I'm going to be liked? Nope. Chances are, in fact, <laughs> the more authentic you are, the more people decide that they are not going to engage with you and then the right people do. So it's a matter of finding quality connections as opposed to quantity of connections. Um, so we have to wrap up now, but uh, I mm-hmm. want to thank you so much, Phil. Any, any final words before we jump off? No, uh, like there are so many, so many, so many words, but just know, Michael, how much I um, appreciate uh, the, the opportunity to come on uh, to this podcast um, and to have a chat with you. Thank you. Um, thank you for seeing me. Thank you for hearing me. Uh, and thank you for helping me feel like I belong here as me, as scary and as nerve-wracking as it might be. Okay, Phil, if people want to find you, where can they find you? Where can they connect with you? Yeah, so um, lonelinessguy.com 
uh, and they'll see a big picture of me um, with, with a grey beard. That's how they know that they've gotten to the right place. Um, and I'm also on Facebook, uh, The Loneliness Guy, and um, the other one, Instagram, at the underscore loneliness underscore guy. Um, and uh, I'm also uh, as me in the Gay Men's Brotherhood, but um, I'm not necessarily on Facebook too much at the moment, but, uh, but yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm in the Brotherhood. All right, thank you so much. So guys who are listening, who are watching, if you want to connect with Phil or I uh, or anyone else uh, in the community, go to uh, the Gay Men's Brotherhood. It is a free Facebook group. Uh, by all means, when you jump in there, say hi, connect with us. Um, we do have a Gay Men Going Deeper membership program. Uh, there is a wait list. We will be opening our doors probably pretty soon, so, so stay tuned. We'll put the um, sign up in the show notes, so if you're interested in that, please go there. In the membership, we go deeper, and we take a lot of the, the topics we talk about here on the podcast, and uh, Matt, Helen, and I uh, go deeper with the members of the community there. Uh, also, if you are not yet subscribed, please subscribe to our YouTube channel. Go find the Gay Men's Brotherhood on Instagram. Give us a like. And that's all we've got for you guys today. So thank you so much, Phil, for joining us on the other side of the world. Thank you for having me. And thank you, listener viewer, for having me in your ears for a little while. Thank you. I appreciate it. Thanks, guys. Have a great rest of the day. Bye-bye.